Just stop it. The run of the mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women who go through hell to achieve their goals. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. Sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. This is Disruption Interruption. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption and Happy New Year. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk with an industry disruptor that has kicked up the dust on the status quo. Today's guest is an experienced CEO in the financial services industry. And if you know anything, this industry is being disrupted heavily right now and is in badly need of uh, innovation. His proprietary algorithm tools help financial firms understand why their clients behave the way they do and how it relates to their finances. This disruption is called behavior-based advising solutions. Wouldn't you like to know about your financial behavior? And what if your financial advisor knew you with 99.9% accuracy? Coming up to us live from Omaha, <laughs> Nebraska, please welcome our disruptor, CEO of Unitify, Jerry Zotko. Hey, KJ. Thank you. And everybody, thank you for listening and, and really appreciate KJ and everything that you do with uh, the disruption and inter interruption and allowing people to understand what's happening out there. So really appreciate you too. Oh, thank, thank you. Thank you. I truly love it. We're in a disruption age. People really want to know why this is happening and it's... um. It's very interesting to talk to people that are really using data to innovate. So let's get to you, okay? Fantastic. Tell me, Jerry, number one, main ingredient to disruption. Disruption for us is understanding personality, personality and behavior. How somebody reacts when risk is applied to their financial situation is the key in any relationship especially in the financial services industry. So with that knowledge of over 99% accuracy of how someone is going to behave when risk is applied to them, it opens up the door for so many different things where you can communicate more effectively because you understand does someone make their decisions more with passion, putting their head on the pillow at night, is everything going to be okay? Or with logic, why did this happen when they decided to uh, change the venue of a, um, certain event uh, with the all-star game or with the COVID hitting, why is this all happening? Give me why this CEO is changing positions within this organization, moving to another organization, that logic behind things, give me some more direction. So you can immediately in the financial services industry, that relationship, you could cut to the chase, know your client way before the first meeting or the clients you existing have existing you can really prove beyond a shadow of a doubt to the watchdog agencies and FINRA and everybody else why you're doing what you're doing with your clientele and it's on paper. Okay. So that's that's the key. That is the key that we we provide. And then it on, only enhances the relationships that you have. And that's the key to everything. You know, it's really interesting that you say personality and behavior because we have a consumer-driven market today, no, no matter where you are. Right. Yes. And understanding that personality and behavior with data 
is a new innovation and disruption so that you can help them. Because in the past, even in the financial services industry, and I really want you to paint the picture of what that's been like, but it's pretty been, it's pretty much been, this is what, this is what goes. This is the standard. This is how it's going to be. This is what goes, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And then also with that, like you say, the, the, the knowledge of playing the relationship and, and the communication, but then comes the allocation. And I think that's what you're talking about is how people are allocated in certain portfolios and, and whether it's insurance or in their banking um, situation and obviously with their investments uh, in retirement and how much money is going to be moving into the in, into from 401k plans to the private sector where you could do self-directed um, individual retirement accounts and all of that into the private sector. So all, all of that money that's going to be moving over the next few years with the boomers and everybody else getting into retirement, it's just incredible. So having that knowledge as a financial professional and a firm and being able to map it out, and that's the other thing that we do, is that we paint that picture like you're talking about. So you can see which clientele are in your in a financial portfolio book of business for an individual advisor or for a firm so that you can market more effectively. You know, the sailboats and sand beaches and hey, everything's great and rosy. Some people don't care about that kind That's of stuff, so but they really cool. care. Isn't right? that so old, old exactly. school? Yeah. But so much is happening. You see the, the commercials and everything else on on whatever you're watching and uh, you know, golf channel is one of them, it seems like that they that they really have a lot of of financial professionals marketing to that that clientele it must there. be their target audience <laughs> we can afford to golf you can you have yeah that's true. <laughs> so but yeah that that is you know am i going to be okay well that's that's a, everybody has that but how am i going to be okay how can we really know that for sure and then how you can allocate uh when risk when when shit hits the fan to be direct yeah. How, or how, how, what's going to happen? And it could be different with husband and wife, with partners, with individuals, the decision makers in the household that you're dealing with. One person, you may have a meeting with, with two decision makers in the household as a financial professional or a firm, and it could be completely different how you want to communicate back and forth with the individuals that are making those decisions or in a trust. Well, so this behavior-based algorithm can take into account the different members that make financial decisions? Exactly. Wow. Exactly. And, and map that out on a single platform. So, and you might not have, like, it could be a while. If, if we, if you were my advisor and I am the client, it might be, everything's going great. And then in two or three months from now, I call you up and you're like, wow. Okay. Who is Jerry again? Where is he at? Instantaneously, you can pull something up on the computer and go, okay, this is how I need to effectively communicate with Jerry and his wife. So it's, it's, I mean, that is it's the reality the of the thing. They do have lots of clients. Financial advisors do, right? And we like to think Absolutely. that our financial advisor knows us and only us. And and they do. But just like with us, I mean, there's many clients, right? And Correct. knowing them and, you know, that's really very interesting. I mean, that's sort of like a, a Oz behind the curtain, right? Right. Exactly. And And with your with what you do in disruption and interruption, the, the two go hand in hand. Yes. But an interruption is in what I'm thinking is, is like, Hey, we want to interrupt this regularly scheduled broadcast when you're watching a program. Right. And then it gets back to the program. So it's a slight deviation. Then it's back on, right. It's kind of the, the status quo comes back. Whereas a complete disruption 
is something that you got to change course. We got a major storm coming on. We got to change the cruise ship to go a different direction, you know, and then we'll take a different course to get back to where the final destination. And that's what we're doing in the industry. Everybody wants that final destination of safety, security, not outliving your money, all the other stuff. And, and when it comes to your investments, your retirement, I don't want to lose. I'd love to have, you know, 10,000% gain with zero risk, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> but how can you achieve some of those goals? And then how can we communicate with that in case we do need to change course? So that is cool with what you are doing, the disruption and interruption. An interruption might cause something if to disrupt and, and you can't go back. But man, it's, it's really, really cool when, like you say, paint the picture of the industry. And the status quo of the industry has been every financial professional, whether you're independent, whether you're under FINRA, SEC, doesn't matter, whether you're somebody that plays by certified financial professional rules, where you have a higher standard of knowledge of client and, and all of those types of things, everybody has to have a risk assessment to prove why you're doing what you're doing with, with a specific client. Okay. And, and that's been the status quo. And it, those risk assessments in a lot of places have been able to be kind of manipulated. How do you really want the client to answer these questions, those types of things to get the investments that are needed that you know that they need as a financial professional and everybody accepts it, which is great. And then you got to prove it. You got it all documented or written down. But then when things change within the industry, you update that yes and all that. But sometimes you don't know, you think you might know the client and then all of a sudden the investment changes and goes down and your client loses money and they come back and now there's litigation. And you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't see this coming, right? So within probably a, like what percentage of that? I think that happens more often than not. Like what percentage does that really happen in the industry? You know, the, the, within the industry itself, and I don't know the exact number and it changes from, from financial professional to financial professional yes. firm to firm. So to, to really blanket that and say how much industry wide is their litigation. And you could look at the numbers over the years of, of, uh, through FINRA, uh, the financial industry regulatory authority, they, they are the individuals that watchdog the industry. And you could look up to see the number of litigations per year, the number of financial professionals per year and, and you could, you know, derive those numbers. But the biggest key to that is for individual professionals wanting to make sure that they can do the best that they can to avoid that litigation. Yeah. And the same thing with the firms, right? I mean, firms allocate dollars every year. They have, they have, um, within their firm knowledge that this might happen. So you have the slush fund that you have to make sure that is there. Right. Too. It's the cost so, of doing business at times, right? So you have right, exactly. Exactly. Um, so risk assessments. I have a question for you on that because from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you have these risk assessments that is standard in the industry and you do have to uh, show what you're doing to the regulation authorities, right? To prove the point. It's also to show the client what you're doing, right? Um, and, but from what I understand when things change, these risk assessments can be so cumbersome to change that financial advisors have been, you know, have gone down to the irreducible minimum of having to spend the time to revise these particular risk assessments. Is that correct? 
Somewhat. I mean, you know, everybody is pretty standard and, and we're not here to change the traditional risk assessment. That's needed. It is because the traditional risk assessment asks, okay, so if you got to assess the knowledge of the individual of, of what, if the market goes down 50%, are you going to add more? Are you going to change those types of traditional knowledge of client knowledge of how much, uh, you understand the market and how if the market changes, that kind of thing, that that's not where we're here to change. What we're here is to enhance that. Right. And that was a thing too, with us when we interviewed certified financial professionals and chartered financial analysts all over the country, over 250 each, and they got their buy-in of what they really needed. N not something that was nice, like a vitamin. We wanted to know what they needed, like a pain pill, right? What here. was vital. Right. Not just a nice to have. What was it that they needed? So they came back with what we understood before we got anything going within, within our group. And they said it has to be highly accurate. It has to be quick. And we have to know the relationship between all the, de the decision makers. Those are the three key takeaways that we, we came back with. So in our assessment, it's 20 questions. It takes between uh, two to seven minutes, depending upon how slow you read and all the other things to complete. And it's over 99.9% .9 accurate. And so what's the relationship between the key de decision makers. Right. It, it's similar to what we said before, is that how someone makes a decision um, in, in fact, in, in my scenario, my wife is very logical. She's very to the point, get me the information I need so I can make a decision and move on. Where in my, I like, I like the relationships. I like to know, and I'm more of the decision maker. Yes. Logic, but also some, some passion goes involved with me. Right. right. Um, and, and we've married that science. So we had to really understand the science behind it too. Uh, so we had to go and we had to take the science with, with a key anchor for how you react with risk. So we had a key risk anchor that we pivoted off of. And then how you can build upon that with Cronbox uh, Alpha when, when some maker, and we have white papers and everything else that explain all this, that you go to our website at unitify.com and you can you see all of that. Uh, but we had to take it to the scientific industry and we used so many individuals that uh, over the years have, have taken that in the philosophical and behavior and personality uh, type of research. Uh, Richard Thaler, uh, Daniel Kahneman, Vernon Smith, those three right there, and, and uh, Schiller, uh, Nobel Prize winners. Uh, Michael Pompey needs a lot of his research, uh, her chevron. Um, Nick Murray, all of the individuals that really studied personality and behavior, but then we had, to, we wanted to take that and, and give it to the financial services industry in terms that you can use. So when I say logical decision maker versus passionate decision maker in, in your thinking and thought process, where they talk cognitive, uh, and emotional. Hmm. You know, that most, most individuals say, I am not emotional. Dang it. I'm just passionate. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm that, so I can relate. So, so being able to understand and move forward in both the relationship and, and the, and see it on a piece of paper, you can actually see per the personality and the behavior traits that we recognize, uh, the behavior attributes that we recognize for a specific clientele. And then how that works with 
the decision makers. So you might have three or four decision makers in a truck, for example, that you're dealing with, uh, or in a household when you get the kids involved now, when they become of age and, and things, and they start to understand the, the process and what they need to do. You can really then gear your communication and your relationship to that specific clientele. So, because the key is sustaining that as well as a, as a, in the services industry, we know that uh, on average, you're going to change financial professionals three times in your lifetime. And generally, a, a financial professional will change three times in their career from different firms, whether it's Fidelity and you go to Schwab and then you go to Principal or one of those types of uh, places that you're going you're gonna to change as well. So some clientele move with you, some stay. And in the industry, for the decision maker, the C-level, the CEOs within the industry, if you lose a financial professional, you know the clients that, that remain, you've then got to distribute them to the other financial professionals within the firm to make sure you maintain those clientele underneath your house mm-hmm. that don't leave. So how, do, how can you best service that client and get them to the people that communicate most effectively or work well with that type of person? Because the same thing with for example, again, it's years of learning behavioral data that you're actually able to put into a almost a business intelligence algorithm so others can transfer it or, or pick up the hat or, you know, continue it, right? 100%. So again, you're advising me and uh, you say to me, Jerry, we work really well together. We connect. Can you introduce me to people that are just like you that we we can that I can work well with that whole referral process. Well, what does just like you mean? What is when you want somebody that's just like me? What does that mean? What does it look like? We can show that. We can tell you exactly how I behave with my finances. Other individuals that behave similar to me, and you you connect well with me as a financial professional. That's how you can tell. So so I might recommend you to my cousin Larry. He shows up. I think he's similar to me. You give him the assessment in three minutes, you can say, oh man, I, he is not like Jerry. I am not going to work well with him, but somebody else in the firm will, because they relate more to this passionate individual that's very logic, logical, or this one that's very energized with what they do. Uh, and we're going to get him to somebody else in the firm that can help out so we can, we can maintain that. So the financial advisor can take this too. Oh, absolutely. And, that, and that's and, part of, that's like the dual process of it, right? No, because no. you as a financial professional might be very logical in your decision-making process and you might be very high on the risk spectrum, but the clientele that you work well with and relate to very well with might be very passionate and very protecting in their assets. Got it. So that the two, how you relate to the individuals as, a, as an individual investor Financial advisors invest as well, yes. But how I invest and how I behave with my own personal finances and the clientele that I relate to might be completely different. And how who I really work and enjoy working with might be completely different than who I am as an as a. a, Yeah, no, I get it. Okay, that makes sense. So I get that you're not trying to change the risk assessment because that's needed and that's Mm -hmm. part of the thing that's, uh, you know, regulated and it is a stable datum for the industry and the investors. But you have this proprietary method of taking this behavioral algorithm and helping 
Um, how does it, I know it enhances it, but tell me how it actually helps facilitate the risk assessment. Is it facilitating the communication of it? Does it change the risk assessment? Does it give more data? Um, what does it yeah, do? It add, yeah, it adds more data. And, and, the, and we know that, that if you retain, the, statistically, if you retain 95% of your clientele, your assets under management are going to increase over 24%. So you know that if you retain that amount of clientele within your book of business, you're going to increase over 24% annually. Same thing. If you, if you only retain 80% of your clientele, you're only going to, it's about 12%. So over half. So just that little decrease in clientele that you retain can over significantly over half of your revenue increase could be lost. So we know that by by maintaining the clients that we currently have and adding those clients that are going to effectively help us because a lot of that 80-12 in the industry where 80% of your time is is on 12% of your clientele. I mean, some people really take a lot of your time. Now, are they helping you grow? Are they helping you increase what you have? And or are they just distracting you into something that that's not really going to help? So we can immediately tell you as a financial professional and a firm how that's going to play out. So it, and again, it's got to be within the financial services industry, it's got to be able to be recognized immediately and cut down the time. Now we know that a lot of times when, when you're dealing with a client and re getting to know them that you haven't talked to them in a while or a new client coming on board. A lot of your time and say a first meeting is an hour. A lot of your time in that first meeting is spent getting to know the client. Are we going to fit? Are we going to work? Are those kind of things are going to happen? We can cut that. You'll know who your client is before they walk in the door by taking this five minute assessment. And now you can get back to as a firm and a financial professional doing what you do best. And that's allocating the money, doing the research, getting this information back to them so that you can present these portfolios and they can be happy and you can be happy. I mean, every, and there's more smiles uh, as opposed to frowns. God, I wish, you could, I wish this could be done for um, hiring attorneys, marketers. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> well, and we've had like several individuals within the, that we have given this to that, that might be home builders or different things that, that have been, they're like, wow, if I could have this assessment for my clientele, so I could communicate with them more effectively. So we know that there's more far outreaching benefits of what we're trying to do within different industries, even the medical professional, the, the, the physicians that I, that I work with and, and get family members that are physicians as well say, if I could communicate like this with my patients to know that immediately how I should speak with them, boy, that would be an asset that we could do. So we know that there's far outreaching things that we have, but the financial services industry is where we're. So Gallup, StrengthsFinder, you know, the, the Kobe Cognitive Index, all of those things that we're doing already to get a job, to see how we work well within the departments that we work within our, in the organizations that we are employed by. We're taking that now to the financial services industry. If that makes sense. That's, yeah. that's the key. Yeah, that makes sense. So what has the industry been like without this? What is the, where have been the inability to do that? What problems has it caused for advisors, for um, clients, the accuracy of 
uh, you know, the risk assessments, if, it, if that's affected at all, paint that picture for me. I'd like to know. Yes. So we took what we uh, were working on to the World Academy of Behavioral uh, uh, Science and Engineering Technology. So the World Academy of Science, Engineering and Technology is it where we took this first. And that was a the International Conference on Behavioral Finance and Risk Behavior in Paris in 2018. So we wanted to get the scientific community's buy-in. And we showed and we presented in those types of things that exactly what you're talking about with the status quo and behavioral finance and everything else that's going on, they looked at us and said, wow, this is now something that could really be brought to the industry to disrupt and, and effectively change what's going on. So that was international. Then we took it the same year to, to DePaul University to uh, the, uh, let me give you the exact name, uh, the Academy of um, Behavioral Finance and Economics. And, and that, so the Academy of Behavioral Finance and Economics in the U.S. that deals with exactly what we're talking about, changing the industry to be able to understand more effectively what's, with what's going on. So the status quo has been, yes, everybody knows what's happening with and how much knowledge a client has of the industry and what to do with the client when market changes this and that, but to communicate that more effectively and to then understand most likely with, with high accuracy, how someone's going to react when risk is very much applied to them. So give an example. Somebody says, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm. I'm not very uh, risky when it comes to my investments. And you start talking and you understand that they have uh, oil wells in China that they're invested in. And you're like, wow, that's a pretty volatile industry that there's a lot of risk associated. Well, yeah, but I understand that. I get that. I, I know that industry because of different dealings that I have. That's what we can provide. We can show you that somebody that says they're not very risk adverse, but then they come back and they could have, and that's the other thing that we do. We, we allow the client to say, how risky do you think you are? Well, I'm very conservative. And then they take the assessment, they come back, well, they can handle, they can tolerate quite a bit of risk. So then if there's a big gap between the two, that's an instant communication factor. And the more communication that somebody can have with the clientele, the more the relationship is built and sustained. And so, so how does that affect their, affect their investments? Because, you know, it sounds to me like, the big missing piece was how to communicate with the clientele. And typically when they're in front of you, when you get to know them, they're not in a, in a high risk or reactionary mode that comes later. Right. So yes. people could flip, you could have a very conservative type of person that, <laughs> or not so a very like, say they, they can handle risk, but they're really way more conservative when risk hits them. Right. Um, Correct. So you can look and find the, I guess, similarities and, and differences and the disparities. And I can see how it can help you build relationships. How does that help you build their portfolio? Yes. So within the portfolios themselves, and this is where we don't get, we allow the financial professionals that because there's so much within a specific company and within the industry itself, <clears throat> there's so much that is dealt with building the portfolios. 
So as long as you know, and even in a, in a 401k environment where there's specific investments that somebody can go into, because this, our tools are used by individuals that deal with retirement plans as well, that have a, a specific number of allocated funds that you can use and time uh, allocation, oh, hey, I'm going to retire in, you know, 2055 and whatever you can, you can allocate accordingly. Right. So those types of things that are very specific to the industry and very specific to the organization, because it's many, many, many organizations use a lot of resources financially to get professionals in that could build these portfolios mm -hmm. and get them geared towards the clientele that they're dealing with. Right. So we don't want to disrupt that because it's very, very systematic. And there's a lot of thought that goes into putting things together. We want those professionals to do that, but how, how do, if I have a clientele that says they're very risky, but they come back very conservative, there's already portfolios designed by those highly intelligent individuals that put these portfolios together. You can then put them in that specific investment type. So that, and then you can prove it when FINRA comes in and says, you know, this client was expecting a 54% return on their investment and they've got a 12% return on their investment. How could that be? This is why. Because the added risk that would come on with somebody that wants to have that huge return doesn't match their personality or their behavior attributes that we've recognized so that when that risk is taken on, there could be possibility of litigation. So, and then the compliance. So when we presented this, the compliance individuals within the organizations are like, wow. So we've partnered with compliance. Uh, RA compliance consultants and, and several others that we've partnered with to, to get their buy-in. So after we got the scientific buy-in, we had to get the buy-in from the compliance department to see, would we be compliant within the industry? Does this help you? Absolutely. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Great. So then we then went to the insurance organizations that deal with errors and emissions insurance. Now this is the key too, that we're talking about Okay, is is that we had to go to the attorneys in the insurance industry to say, if somebody uses our tools, what benefit would there be for errors and emissions? Okay, they're looking at this and they're saying, so we went to Lockton Affinity, Tom Schrant with Lockton and, and um, a lot of things that, that have gone on there. They're the national administrator for Lloyds of London. Now the Lloyds of London insure a right. lot of the industry right. for errors yeah. and emissions. They said, okay, if we look at this, the possibility for mitigating a lawsuit is huge. So if somebody uses the tools that Unitify produces, we could save them up to 30% on their errors and emissions insurance. So it's like that, you know, all state. That's a huge number. Yeah. 30% yeah. on errors and emissions insurance. So again, it's the accuracy. It's the, it's the, what we can present to the industry so that knowledge applies. So when you talk about how can you allocate more effectively? Now, if you have this knowledge and mapping, you can say as a, as a firm, if I'm Fidelity and I can look and say overall with Fidelity, the individual clients that we have in our entire portfolio are more conservative in their nature or more aggressive in their nature. And we can see that we can build portfolios now that are geared towards the majority of our clients. And then when we send out the newsletters, we can send out different newsletters to, you know, husband and wife geared on that. Because somebody, if you send out the same newsletter to everybody, somebody's going to be thinking, oh, 
that's too technical for me and it's in the it's in the garbage yeah right or that's too flashy sailboats and sand beaches no nah, i don't need that that's in the garbage and it's an email nowadays as opposed to a, a usually a written piece but again these types of things is what we're seeing that's the disruption that's the changing from status quo of hey we've done it this way for years we're going to continue to do this because we're not being hurt really but now we can be enhanced with what way more ability that really is the trickle down effect and when you were talking earlier like the light the light bulb really went off right like the missing piece has been behave like the finance industry i mean they look finance runs on natural laws on the order of physical sciences right <laughs> i mean if you ha- spend more money than you make you know you're insolvent it's like black and white right so the but the missing piece that when the light bulb went off is that behavior and communication to the clients uh, piece, right? That you've been able to take and make very scientific and codify it so that there is better outcomes for the financial advisors communicating to the clients, being able to streamline their portfolios, being able to lower errors and emissions insurance, even lower the cost of mitigation litigation, which we know is exorbitant in this country, right? It's kind of like, I'm going to, the simplicity of it, right? You know, you know, when you have to talk to someone, you have it mocked up in your head, how that conversation is going to go, but it's very one-sided. It's in your head. (laughs) And then you end up talking to a live person or a live being, and it doesn't go the way you mocked it up in your head, right? You have to really be there in the moment and assess what that person is saying or doing and be able to pivot or communicate to get a good outcome, right? Correct. You're taking that and putting it on steroids for the financial industry so they can have some prediction of their clients and be able to help them communicate. Absolutely. And, and this is not just for the live financial professionals as well. This is also for those uh, in the industry that, that just have computer algorithms that generate portfolio recommendations, everything else, you still have to prove knowledge of client and still be able to communicate with them. This is why we do this, whether it's written form or just something that somebody could look up on a, on a site that you produce, you know, exactly what somebody's going to be looking for based on that. So it's not just the live interaction between human to human. It's also in, and also those individuals that, that do it all on their own. If I knew myself better. And this is why I do what I do. Holy cow, I could have saved myself a lot of heartache and angst because I got into this and I shouldn't have got into that because that's not who I am. Holy shit. So, how do you say that in Polish? <laughs> I, I wish I knew. <laughs> knowledge of client. That actually should be a standard. Right. I was going to ask you with all the, you know, particular investing tools and algorithms and, um, you know, computer programs and stuff, but this makes total sense. Is this able to be exported to individuals as well? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. You know, so you can, you can utilize what we have as an individual. And like I say, know yourself. So if you're a self-investor and you do all these things on your own, you still need to know. Because again, it's like, I love it when, when we, we give the assessment to a husband and wife and it comes back and the and we talk about the assessment because you self-assess, you say, okay, this is how risky I am. Uh, and then it comes back and it might not be what you expect. So if you're saying oh, I'm really risky, 
and it comes back into something of more conservative in nature based on your personality and behavior. And you're like, that's not me. And then you start talking and you're, and we explain there's 40 different attributes that we recognize that boil up into four different personalities of, from conservative <laughs> to aggressive. So, um, so with the, with the attributes that we recognize and the personality we come out, we start explaining that to the clientele. And then the spouse will be sitting there like, yeah, you say that's not you. That's exactly who you are. That's exactly because don't you remember and. You know, when the boat got wrecked and we we're out and this is how you're acting, you're like, oh, yeah, that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So those types of situations where we can really explain. And that's why when the, the confidence that the financial services industry has to have in something like this, to the, when it comes back, you're not, you're not backpedaling, say, oh, well, maybe that's not who you are. That's why we had to be so accurate is that you could give this out in front of a client that's sitting right there. And it comes back and you're like, okay, now I understand that you like to meet to communicate with you and you like more charts and graphs and things like that of that nature. Yes, I do. Okay, great. But you don't really care how pretty they are. No, yeah, I just need to be able to understand it. Okay, great. Where someone you're like, okay, I need to create you a nice glossy portfolio because presentation is very important to you and how I present the material is just as important as the material itself. That's correct because I like professionalism and you better not not wear a tie the day that I come in because I like somebody to really, you know. Like my father. Yeah. Right, you know, so, so exactly. So we very logical, went to Georgia Tech. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Jerry, how did you get on this particular track? I mean, you're very gregarious, you're very outgoing, um, but you're also extremely scientific in your thinking, right? So how did you... Like, tell me about little Jerry and how did you get to this point? <laughs> well, my, my passion and my love, uh, early on was, and still is aviation. So, uh, as an airline pilot, which I am also an airline pilot, um, you have to be very scientific in what you're doing and you have to have, be very precise in everything that you do. But at the same time, when you're sitting discussing things with other people, you like to be able to understand how do people think? What do they do? All that. So when the industry made a turn in 2001, after September 11th, I had to decide what am I going to do? Because the option of being an airline pilot didn't exist for me. So I thought of an industry that you still have to get people from one place to the next with safety and security being the key, financial services industry. Hmm. You, so you built yourself. Different vehicle. 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> Correct. Different wow. vehicle, but still the same thing, you know, and, and, and really taking that into play. Then as an airline pilot, there is a lot of time that, you know, when you fly from one place to the next, and then you might spend quite a, a bit of time in a hotel or wherever else. So being able to utilize that time that you have to do something that's very beneficial for many individuals is the financial services industry too. And then once I, I got most recently, I was with Wells Fargo and dealt with high and ultra high net worth clientele. The private bank industry did a lot, a lot of clientele. There. And then sitting in some of those meetings, I thought there should be a better way for us to service these clients. Cause usually you have a big team of individuals. You have the attorneys. You have the banking relationships, you have investment relationships, you have the insurance relationships, you have all these individuals 
that are trying to understand and get to know a client, wouldn't it be great if I had a, something where I could show the personality and behavior of this client to the next individual that I'm, that I'm the attorney and say, this is how this client likes to be communicated with. Hell yeah. You know, and, and again, it's saving time, energy, effort uh, for everybody yeah. involved. So, so that's where it started to spur the idea and the, and the movement of, of putting this together. Then getting, and again, as you could tell, I enjoy building relationships and being able to communicate with others. So getting the PhDs involved, getting the data analytics scientists involved and all those individuals that we had to bring on board to be able to put this idea to work and then be accepted by the industry was key. So that's it. That's how that's it. That's, that's it. In a nutshell, this is what I did. <laughs> that's actually amazing. Was there a point where you, was it a buildup or was there one day where you said, that's it? I, I cannot take it anymore. I've got to do something about this. It, it was a buildup. Um, I, you know, there's, there's certain times and situations in life that you say, okay, I, I need to help and enhance the situation. And then again, it's that taking that risk of going out of being an entrepreneur and, you know, putting that online as well and saying, Hey, I really need to be able to, uh, to create this doing all of that research, how does that happen? And, and when you're a startup and all of the things and, and knowledge that you've got to accumulate to be able to be successful in that. And I'm sure you too, when, you know, in anybody in business, you're thinking, oh, I'd love to start a business. I'd love, if we, I have an idea, I should start this. Shoot me now. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, like, so over those years and over the build and how best to be successful at it and still then once success comes, which, you know, overabundance of success hasn't happened yet with us, uh, because we're still, we're still in the infantile stages We're we're crawling and walking and pretty soon we're going to be running and then we're going to be running a marathon, but we're not running a marathon yet. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so you will. Persistent. no actually. doubt you will. And you've gotten some, uh, some good notches on your belt with this for sure. So well done for you coming from AV. It takes an outsider to go into industries, right? I was an outsider myself. It takes an outsider to go into industries and see things totally different. You're coming from aviation. Do you have any crazy hobbies outside of this? I mean, do you still fly? Are you like a daredevil and you're flying? No, no, it's, it's that calculated risk, right? As an airline pilot, you don't want to be. Oh, that's right. That's right. And and I'm actually. not your favorite series of movies, right? Well, By the it's way, cool. yeah, go ahead. They're coming out with a new Top Gun, right? Yeah, it is. I like Top Gun. I like, I like the movie. I like everything about it. And the, you know, and you look at, at some of the, the movies from risk and you're like, mm, would they really do that? I don't know, but it's great Hollywood, right? It is so, great Hollywood. So what do you do outside of work? Uh, you know, I love to, I love to golf. Um, family is huge to me. Uh, with our, our, our four children, uh, and my wife, uh, we, we, we love to travel, obviously. Don't forget Marco. Uh, and, and, and Marco. Yeah. And we also have another dog named Bree, but that's, she's a, a lab, uh, and she's bigger. She's more controlling, but she's, she's good now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's I, the hobbies of things for me. Um, golf is, is big for me. Again, it's the calculated risk. It's the trying to, um, you know, be, be good at something that is 
individual, but yet if you're playing, uh, you know, in a club or something and you've, you've got a team that you have to worry about and the psychological nature and the communication, both with yourself and with, you know, the others around you to, I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a good environment. So I, I very much enjoy golf. That's right. It is very psychological. What do you do in Nebraska when it's really cold and you're not playing for so many months? What do you do? Just double up travel. in the summer month? Okay, there you go. We, we travel. <laughs> we, go, we go to somewhere warm and play. I mean, that's about what you could do. And you There's... play golf there. Correct. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, golf is probably pretty relaxing for you in a way, it too. It, 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 it doesn't, it didn't used to. And that's the same thing too, with the stress that, because anybody that has tried golf at the beginning and it looks, I mean, you watch it on TV, you're like, wow, that is really, that's so cool. And then you go and do it and the ball just like dribbles off, you know, and it goes like two feet and you're like, well, that didn't, I did it exactly where I thought it was going to happen. So, so really it's a game that everybody says, oh, it's so relaxing being outside and da-da. But then it could be so frustrating because it changes from one day. I mean, and it's life. And me, golf is life in a four-hour sequence. If you play 18 know, it's like you think a shot is going perfectly. You hit it right exactly where you want it to. It felt great. You get up there. I didn't know that there was a sand trap over there. That it was that as close. Game, right? That is it was as close. Like if you're playing a new course, it was as close as it was, and you're like, wow. So now you have to deal with adversity. You have to deal with all of the things that are like in life. You think it's going on autopilot, so to speak. And then all of a sudden it, it's not. And you're like, whoa, now I got to deal with that emotion. And what happens now? You know, all, so yeah. And pivot and recover. I do know I have two friends that uh, play a lot of avid golfers. And from what I understand with them is that you have to play a lot to be really good. That's true. And you continue. And if you skip and don't, yeah. It's... Yeah. Yeah. So Jerry, but... how, so, um, people that are listening to this, um, let them know, like, who do you work with? How do they get a hold of you? Um, get, give me the whole gamut of that. Yeah. So we deal with small individuals, individual investors, uh, firms that have, you know, two to 10 professionals to 50 to, and then the larger firm. So, so we're not, it's not one size fits all for us. It's not, oh, you have to be a firm that's got, you know, 250 financial professionals and all of their staff and everything else. No, it's not that we can deal with someone smaller up to a larger firm. We have different pricing for, for enterprise, larger firms types of things as well. So we, that's our clientele is it's open, right? And how they get up, unitify.com is the website. There's a place you can go on and, and that's too, it, as an entrepreneur, right? And saying, okay, if I want to come on and I want this product that someone's being offered, that knowledge of, okay, that's the storefront. You've got to be able to, if it's midnight, you've got to be able to be able to, oh, that's on my mind now. I want to buy now. So you have to have that availability. So for us to say, okay, you don't need to meet with my team or our sales force or me specifically, you want our product, you can go on the website, click it, understand the, the pricing, everything involved and start utilizing the tools of me anytime, day or night. That was number one. Um, and 
And uh, number two is that if there is a firm that we need to meet and then work out and different things, yeah, we have a whole team, myself included, that can meet and sit down um, and, and getting connected with me, both with mobile phone and uh, the office that I have is also uh, on the website as well. So unitify.com. Unitify.com. And then they can also find you on LinkedIn, right? Yes. LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, not so much. I mean, I'm in there, but I, but LinkedIn is, is a key place for me as well uh, to really be able to, to see what we're doing and, and, and follow us on there um, as well and get, and get a hold of me. So, Great. and that's how I believe we, we interacted initially was on LinkedIn. Yes. So, that is right. Uh, LinkedIn is the best key, connector for sure. Key to that. One of the original, so there's so many people that helped me put this together to, to put our concept together. One of which is April Kelly. She was one of the original hires with LinkedIn that helped do a lot of the training and, and different things um, to utilize her knowledge of people, connecting personalities. Um, she wrote a book, uh, uh, Gratitude uh, at Work. Uh, spaghetti on the wall, I think is, is one of the titles that, that was, was written. And so to have her ability to put things together, we had one of the individuals that invented, uh, Greg Guggenass that invented, uh, specifically options trading online for, um, TD Ameritrade. He was one of the individuals that helped put this thing together and just his knowledge of how we're going to, uh, really enhance and, and, and put it together and, um, and I could, you know, Eden, Eden Jorgensen is this data analytics individual that, that really did a lot of the research to say how accurate we were, professor at BYU, PhD, uh, did a lot with Ritz Carlton and how personality hiring uh, people goes and, and assessment, assessments to go with that. So uh, his input was great. Uh, uh, Dave Volkman, who was uh, banking, finance, real estate, and law chairman at the University of Nebraska uh, here in Omaha, he had a huge hand in this and putting what we really need to do together uh, to really connect to the chartered financial analysts and certified financial professionals in the whole financial industry. So it's not just the passion that's involved in one, it's put together by those that are in the industry for those that are in the industry. That's the key too with us. And it's just not some outsider coming in. It took years in the industry to understand what's really needed in the industry right now to disrupt and, and enhance. You know, it's so, a that very intelligent collaborative effort with all of those people. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and again, it's, and it's, and it's that sustainability. So again, it's, and whether you have a partner that, that really understands entrepreneurship, it's, it's all of those things too, that keeping things going within the industry and within the startup environment as well, that, that you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. And so many people have said so many businesses fail when they're so close to success is because they didn't keep going. It's true. Right. And, and it's just that internal fortitude that, that, and you see it in sports and athletics. And if you would have just tried one more thing as opposed to being tackled, you know, if you're, if we're talking now, we're getting close to the, and this podcast might be shown after the, the national championship for college football. Is Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I think but, it's going to. <laughs> but again, it's that one extra effort, that one little extra step or that little notch that keeps you going, that someone falls down and you get, you're able to make the touchdown. Whereas if you would have just fell down and 
worked for the next, you know, went for the next play, it might not have happened that way. Well, we're definitely going to see that Monday night, whether that's Alabama or Georgia. <laughs> let's let's hope that Georgia, I, I'm rooting for the underdog, can sustain <laughs> their dominance with Alabama and push through that extra. You know, but it, and again, it's the preparation that these, the, these individuals are going through that we could all learn from too, right? I mean, they, Nick Saban and his methodology and Georgia, the coaches there that just really, that, that you prepare and prepare and prepare and prepare. And then when you're there and it's happening, you've got to pivot. You've got to change because what you expect at night might not be what's given to you. So that's life. That's the industry. That's life. That's what you're doing too. I'm uh, with disruption and interruption. Yeah. Well, there is one thing that I have gotten to understand about disruptors is that, um, the determination not to fail is probably one of the key fundamental common denominators between us all. <laughs> right. <laughs> Never give up. Amen. Amen. Jerry, this has been very enlightening. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. And for people that want to get a hold of Jerry, go to LinkedIn, Jerry Zotko, Unitify.com. The, the data will be in the show notes. Jerry, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, KJ. You bet. Take care. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening to Disruption Interruption Podcast, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. Mm-hmm.